Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Top Docs Radio. Brought to you by Hyperbaric Physicians of Georgia, a comprehensive wound resolution and UHMS accredited hyperbaric medicine practice with four offices to serve you. Find us on the web at www.hbomdga.com. Facebook and Twitter at HBOMDGA. Good afternoon, everyone. It's C.W. Hall. I'm very happy to have the guests that I have with me in the studio today. Um, they're folks that we know very well with our family. We're joined by Dr. Kimberly Carey and her husband, Jamie Carey, office manager for Apex Animal Hospital located in, it's Austell, right? Technically, we're Austell. Yeah, it's kind yes, of, sir. there's a couple of cities that come together there, so it probably depends on your, uh, on your address, but uh, it's located in Austell on East-West Connector. And uh, our family became familiar with you as much as anything because you were close to us. We're there in Mableton, and we thought, well, we'll give these folks a try. It looked like a nice facility. Um, and uh, once we got there, we were extremely pleased that we had made that choice. Um, you know, the experience that we had both from just the aesthetics of the office, it's very nice and clean and, um, you know, beautiful office, uh, as well as the staff that you have there. Everybody from, you know, uh, you, Jamie, at the front there talking to folks to the staff and obviously Dr. Carey. Our experience has been fantastic. So uh, I was very happy to have the opportunity to bring you folks out and, and uh, you know, let you talk a little bit about the practice, get folks in the community aware of what you do here. So hopefully uh, some folks uh, can involve their family pets with you as well and uh, be able to have the same experience that, that we did. So Dr. Carey, thank you for coming out today. Thank you for that very nice introduction. We just opened our hospital in March, so we are still building our clientele, and we've absolutely loved the area. It's been a fabulous experience so far, and we're hoping to continue to grow. Now, I remember when we were first meeting you, um, we got to talking a little bit about, you know, just how you got into the, the field and what your experience was like. But from what I understand, you were actually accepted as you were, you know, making application to a number of, you know, excellent schools. You actually got accepted to several high-profile schools. Is that right? That's true. I got accepted to four different schools. And so it was a difficult decision deciding where to go. But I did want to go to a top-five school. And so we moved to Texas for four years and went to Texas A&M. Loved our experience there, but we really loved the Atlanta area. So when it became time to be a grown-up, and start practicing, we definitely wanted to move back toward Atlanta. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, tell me about that. Well, you know, just to give you a little chance to brag, or I'm going to brag for you, but talk about the programs besides you went to A&M, obviously a high, uh, highly respected school, but what were some of the other schools that, uh, that you ended up didn't get lucky enough to have you as a student? We also were accepted at UGA, at LSU, and at Virginia Tech as well, too. So, so folks have probably heard of those schools. Um, you know, just to, just wanted to give folks an idea of the level of, of, you know, person, you know, from an academic perspective that they would get to engage uh, when they come to somebody to take care of their family pet. So, you know, tell me how you feel about your role as a, as a veterinarian caring for the folks' family pets, you know, obviously family members, really, for lack of a better way to say it. Tell me about your, your, the way you look at what you do in the community. So I really feel like we have two different roles in the community. So obvi the obvious one is taking care of your sick family members. So when your dogs or cats are sick, need help in any way, that's the obvious place where I fit in. And that's where we've met you throughout the, the process. Um, but the other and equally important role we feel like is education and maintenance in the community as well, too. We feel like it is our role to help make sure that everybody can be taking the best care of their pets that they can, understanding what pets 
pets need, what things are good, both from a medical and a social standpoint in terms of behavioral care, um, different boarding and grooming facilities in the area. We kind of help point in those directions and really just making your pet a lifetime member of your family. So is your practice one, because from what I understand, within the veterinary specialty, there are specialists that focus on, I guess, particular uh, areas of, of disease. Would you consider yourself a general practitioner in this in the specialty of veterinary medicine? We are general practitioners, and I actually really love that role. Um, my job is to see your pets from their puppy and kitten visits all the way through their geriatric visits and the very sad part in our job, the very last things that we do for your pets too. But in that process, we really generate a relationship. And so I get to know you and your pets much better than a specialist would. The specialists have a critical role in the Atlanta area, and we're really blessed to have so many good specialists here locally. When there is a problem that needs more expertise than we have to offer, you need to see a cardiologist, or there's something that really needs an orthopedic surgeon to, to repair. We have them so close and local, we're very lucky, and they can handle those problems. Hopefully they do a really good job, and you don't ever have to see them again. Right. You come back to me, <laughs> and we can continue with our routine care throughout the rest of their lifetime. Well, you know, that's, you know, that's great to know. I, I, I was certain that there would be some practices around. I know, of, you know, when my German short hair I had for 10 years, he developed a problem, ended up with an internal medicine physician in veterinary medicine, which I didn't realize that was my first exposure to more of a specialist. But uh, you talk about the fact that you get involved with the family pets um, throughout their life cycle from puppy to, to death. And, you know, that was one of the experiences that we recently had with you. I have to be careful talking about it because I'll get actually uh, emotional. But, uh, you know, our, our my sister-in-law, my wife's sister and her husband were visiting from Virginia with their longtime family pet, a corgi that they'd had for years and years, um, over 10 years. And uh, she was, you know, at the end of her days and was in that phase where she was very, very ill. Um, and in fact, just before they were coming to see us, they kind of had a family meeting. Is it time for us to do this? And the kids didn't want to do so yet. So they brought her along with them and they were hoping to be able to get in a visit where, you know, because um, Julie's mom and dad live with us as well. So it was an opportunity for the rest of the family to also be able to see um, her and, and get goodbyes in and so forth. But it was obvious as she got here that she was continuing to decline and um, and it was in pretty, you know, sad shape. And so the decision was made that while we were here, the, you know, while they were here with her, that that, that would come to you and, and uh, that you would help us in that process of actually putting her down. And I have to say, as terrible as that experience is in a lot of ways, it was a beautiful one, too. And that was uh, a testament to, you know, the just everything the way you approached it in your practice in terms of having a special place, a room in the in the office that was very comfortable and inviting and uh, uh, quiet and calm. And, and your, your folks that we interacted with throughout that day um, were obviously very compassionate and uh, kind to us and made it, you know, a hard situation much more bearable. And you shared in that with us. So it was uh, it was a really a uh, very special experience, and uh, you know, it's it's kind of interesting to think about how you get involved with you know your patients' uh, families, uh, you know, like a family member, and and uh, so kudos to you because it could have been a very sterile, very uh, I don't know, not intimate kind of engagement with you. We'll take care of this, and off we go. But it, it was really you know you felt pain along with us, which was something that we had a lot of regard for. So. From that perspective, as we, 
introduce folks to you. You know, we, we want everybody to be aware that you're going to be taking very good care of them regardless of what we're having to go through. So, um, you know, that's you know something special that we had to share with uh, the folks that might be trying to decide where should we take our family pets uh, we've been talking with dr kimberly carey and her husband uh, jamie that uh, have apex uh, animal hospital in austell our veterinarians and um, you know when someone's trying to decide about you know adding a pet into the family and what they should choose whether it's a type of animal or size of animal temperament tell me what you should think about you know, when you're making that choice, because they're not going to stay a puppy or a kitty cat forever, and they're not going to stay a tiny little docile thing all the time. So take me through what you would advise as an expert in that choice. CW, you talk a lot, a, about a lot of the really important points that we really look for when, when you're going shopping for a puppy. A lot of folks, um, they, they get really excited. Uh, hopefully it involves some sort of a family meeting or something where everyone is in agreement. Now is the time to get the puppy. And, and these, you know, if, if there are children involved, these are going to be your responsibilities. And, and there's certain things that certain age kids can do for, for the dogs or cats as, as they're growing up. Um, but some of the really, really important factors that, that you touched on is temperament and the the lifestyle of the dog and certain breeds have certain requirements um, so you know if you have a really outdoorsy lifestyle and you like to go hunting and camping and all those sort of things I know they're really popular in our area but a, a Georgia Bulldog is not gonna be the dog that you're gonna want to bring home with you right you know you need to look for a for a lab or a setter or something right. like that something that matches your lifestyle on the other end of the spectrum, we have folks, you know, we're, we're here in, you know, Midtown and at Atlantic Station, and there's a lot of apartments around here. And there are some dogs that are just not really uh, not going to do well in an apartment environment. You know, look for a, for a smaller breed, a Chihuahua or a Shih Tzu or something like that. Um, even some of the larger breeds, if you like big dogs, you know, Great Danes are actually surprisingly pretty good apartment dogs because they don't require a lot of exercise. They require a lot of space, but they don't require a whole lot of exercise. Mm -hmm. So do a lot of research on the particular breeds um, as to what they're going to be, like you mentioned, you know, later in life. What sort of exercise requirements, what sort of grooming requirements, are they predisposed to any sort of medical conditions? Mm -hmm. um, lots of things to consider. Um, our website actually has a, a pretty good um, list of breeds. Uh, once you dig down a couple of pages in there that has the breeds and their temperament and their grooming requirements and things that uh, just as a resource for people to use as they're considering a family pet. That's great. And, and is it true that if you were to say buy something like a German short hair like I had, that if you don't put them to work, so to speak, give them tasks to do, give them regular fairly aggressive exercise that can you make them a little kind of crazy a little bit you know kind of unhealthy you yeah. know if not emotionally and mentally is that is that true that, that's very fair i mean there's a dogs some dogs need jobs and they can become pretty destructive they will if you don't give them a job to do they will find a job and sometimes that manifests in destructive behavior or even to themselves or your your home environment and things um so yes giving them a, a something to do one of my big mantras doing dog training is a tired dog is a good dog some dogs <laughs> yeah. will, they tire out we a little bit faster than others house. but <laughs> that's right so so what caesar milan talks about there's no good there's no bad dog there's only bad owners that sounds like there may be some truth to that at least on some measure absolutely <laughs> so i know that the practice is listed as a gold certified cat friendly place what what does that mean for somebody who's going to bring you a cat for care so we know that dogs in general don't mind going to the vet. May not be their favorite place, but you got to put them in the car. They don't know if they're going to the park, they're going to grandma's, they're going 
where they're going. Um, but they tend to be really pretty happy, and the visit isn't too stressful for them. Cats, on the other hand, especially our indoor cats, they don't come to the vet unless something is wrong. They come once a year for their exam. So 364 days out of the year, they hang out in their house and live by their own routine. And one day a year, they get scooped up from their nap, put in a box, put in the car, brought to a place where weird people touch them. Um, and the day is just not fun for them. So our goal is to make that day a lot less stressful for them, yeah. um, to make this an easier visit for them so they're not so stressed. So the AAFP is the American Association of Feline Practitioners. And they've come up with a program called their Cat Friendly Practice. It is a set of guidelines that, in, that involve both structural and, and architectural components to the practice, as well as handling and different protocols for how we treat cats when they come to see us. Um, it is something that we felt was very important. So when we were designing the practice, we paid a lot of attention to those things. Um, as early as the waiting room, there's a separate cat-only waiting area so that while that cat is waiting, they don't have to have the happy lab come bounding up to see who's in that carrier. Right. The lab means no harm, but the cat has no idea, especially if right. it's a cat who doesn't live with dogs. So right. that eliminates one of the scary points. We have one cat-only exam room so that only cats go into that room. They don't have dogs in there, so they don't have the smell and the sound of dogs. We did some extra soundproofing in that room as well, too. So if there's a dog barking in the other part of the hospital, the cat doesn't have to see it. Uh, there's a window in that room, so they have some natural light there. There's a nice window sill. We've had a number of cats that get out and kind of hang out in the window sill and watch what's going on outside, yep. which focuses their attention somewhere else. We've worked really hard on how we handle our cats when they come to see us so that it's not so scary and that we understand cat behavior and the entire staff has taken part in that, that type of training. We have a separate cat ward. So if the cat does have to stay with us, mm -hmm. they're not kept in an area where there are other dogs over there that are going to be barking, making different sounds, yeah. different smells, all those types of things. And the cat condos where they stay are made specifically for cats and not for dogs. So uh -huh. they don't make the noise and the, the different sounds. Oh, so that's great to we've know. worked really hard to do that. And I think even, even so early on, it's already paid off. The mm -hmm. cats that have come to see us have been a little bit more comfortable. Sure, they're still nervous. I'm not going to Unknown, no delusions that this has resolved all fear, but they seem much more comfortable and they're much happier. I feel like that's important for the cat and it's also important for the cat owners because we definitely feel how important it is for cats to come in. And in our country and especially in the Atlanta area, the rate of cats coming to the vet versus dogs going to the vet is much lower despite the fact that we have more cats as pets than we do dogs. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's one of the big reasons. One, cats hide their disease much better than dogs do. So you don't know they're sick until it's farther along. Uh -huh. And number two, owners are reluctant to bring them in because it is such a it's stress. A Catching yeah. the cat, putting it in the carrier, bringing it to the vet um, is not a fun experience. <laughs> so we're trying to kind of overcome some of those burdens and get the cats the care that they really need. Well, I can say as, again, uh, a satisfied customer, we have a cat. He's a very beloved cat and quite an easygoing cat. But uh, you, know, you must have been in the house whenever we tried to, to load him up the first time we went <laughs> to the vet because uh, I swear he was an octopus trying to put him into the cat carrier. It was amazing how well he was able to keep those feet on the sides of that door before we tried to get him in the box. But uh, we had certainly had experience going elsewhere uh, before we found you uh, w in his earlier days. And so we were really pleased with how it went for our cat whenever we were there in the room you described. And um, you know, we knew he was nervous, as you talked about, because that's unavoidable. But we, he was at the same time far more calm and able to be examined and taken care of by your folks um, 
much, much different experience than we had in the past. And I didn't realize, you know, in times past, I've been in the vet's office and be able to, you know, as the folks come in and out of the back, you can kind of see into where the condos are, if you will, or the, the kennels where they keep the animals in it. It just seemed kind of like it was just like a co-ed dorm. There were dogs, cats everywhere. It was just, you know, one one's a cat and one's a dog, and, and uh, they're right next to each other. So it's really nice to know that when your animal does have to stay there, whether it's boarding or, or you know, for, you know, extended care, that they're going to be kept, you know, with like animals. Uh, that, that That's a really nice piece to know about, uh, you know, when it comes to time to do that. You know, and talking about, uh, you know, the next thing I was going to ask you about, you talked about, you know, hiding disease and so forth. We just adopted a, a, a Bassett rescue, and he happened to be one that hadn't been protected against heartworms and has, you know, gone through that treatment, um, you know, which makes me really sad for him as I read about the process of treating heartworms and how challenging just the the treatment itself is on them uh, physically and I'm sure emotionally as well. But uh, talk a little bit about, you know, how important it is to prevent heartworms for both cats and dogs. Right. Especially here in the Atlanta area, you know, top three states in the country for heartworm disease, Georgia, Florida, and Alabama, really because of the amount of mosquitoes we have here. We know that heartworm disease is transmitted by mosquitoes, and all it takes is the bite of one mosquito that's carrying heartworms for a dog who doesn't have protection on board to transmit this disease. Mm -hmm. It is an awful disease, as you were saying. The treatment for dogs is expensive. It is time consuming. It's really hard on the dog. Um, and the prevention is so incredibly easy. It's a once a month treat that they take. A chewable treat. Um, it's very easy. It is a little bit of money, but when you look at the money that you spend on heartworm prevention versus the money you're going to spend if they come down with the disease and the time and the stress and the harm to the dog, it really is so worth it. And so we really feel it is incredibly important for our dogs to be on heartworm prevention every month, year round. Here in Atlanta, we never get cold enough even with this winter we had last winter it never gets cold enough to kill off all the mosquitoes so it's a 12-month program here in atlanta for our cats they get equally infected with heartworms the same mosquitoes are out there biting cats as they are dogs they do not have a preference whether they bite a dog a, per a person or a cat Unfortunately, our cats don't seem to get the same level of protection that our dogs do. Honestly, for a lot of years, we didn't think cats got heartworms like dogs do, and it's because they do have different symptoms when they get it. They don't tend to cough and have exercise intolerance like a dog would. How would you know if your household cat was exercise intolerant? Most of the time, they sleep They're on sleeping. the couch anyway. Right. <laughs> um, but they do have severe lung damage that happens with them. It becomes a symptom very similar to asthma in our cats. And eventually, at some point, the cats drop dead from the heartworm, which is yeah. just horrible and emotionally charged for the owners who then feel really guilty when you find out this is what they had and that mm -hmm. it was 100% pre preventable. Yeah. The other bad thing when it talks about cats is that we don't have a treatment yet. Just like your dog, we were able to treat that because there is a medication out there to treat it. It's expensive, it's hard on the dog, but it's out there. In cats, we don't have a treatment yet. The drug that we use in dogs does a great job killing heartworms, but it also kills cats. So not a good treatment yet. And I do believe that at some point in the near future, we will have a treatment. The drug companies are all trying to be the first to come out with it. <laughs> the universities are all studying it to try to be right. able to come out with a solution. But until we get that, the only thing we have is prevention. And we do have very easy prevention for cats year round. They can do it as a chewable t tablet like we do for our dogs. We can also use a topical. Most of my cat patients use a topical because, yeah, the cats mm -hmm. don't 
don't take pills necessarily well, but if we put it right on the back of the neck, it gets absorbed into the skin ah, okay. and it works equally as well. And once a month, it's very easy to do. That's great. And, and you know, seriously, as I've watched our, you know, fella working through just uh, regaining his strength since he has to be rested, you know. To, it's hard to watch, isn't it? It really is. It's tough. I mean, you know, because he's a hound and, you know, he, you know he, he, he's on the slow end of the spectrum for hounds, but, you know, as a basset. But still, he runs around. You can tell he can have some athletic inclinations. And so to have to kind of keep him calm, not really want to take him on a long walk, that kind of stuff, uh, you know, it's challenging. I can't even imagine having to see them endure the injections that they have to go through. Um, and, and after I read about, you know, how painful the injection itself is and then the, the, the suffering that they have to go through with muscle pain and so forth after for the few days, yeah, don't, don't let your pet get heartworms when you can just give them a, a little tasty treat and, and all is good. Um, you know, on that note, we were talking a little bit about, you know, the way you you house your animals when they're staying there. Tell me a little bit about what's going on in the back, you know, that we may not get to see what's happening in the back. And is it possible to go back and kind of take a look around at what it looks like behind the front desk? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, one of the things, you know, a, a lot of it, it's almost we want to change you want to strike the word the back from our vocabulary because it, it has that those bad connotations associated you can't with it. come here exactly you know what what dark dangerous things happen in the back um and so we we've changed that that's it, that's our treatment area that's where we go and do and there's a lot that happens in that area um our surgical suite is is back there we have our full body digital x-ray that's back there it's where we have our we do our dental procedures anything like that um but a lot of times um uh, what we're what we're doing in the back are some of the some of the, the dirty types of things you know if we're doing a toenail trim we don't want toenails flying over and hitting somebody type of thing right, so right. that's what happens in the scary back type type of place um honestly i love giving tours of the of the facility our contractors did a great job it was a design build firm that we work for um don't know if I can plug them or not, but yeah, the, it's a blue frog construction. Um, they've done a lot of uh, dental ophthalmologists. They've done a lot of medical facilities, but they also specialize in, in veterinary facilities as well. They did a great job. They knew how to ask the right questions and everything. My, my former life as an architect, um, I work very well with them. Um, so I, I'm very, very proud of the facility. I love to give tours. That way we can show everybody the, the cat ward that we were talking about earlier that has sound insulation in the walls and everything to keep them isolated in a nice, dark, quiet space where they can hide because that's what they want to do when they have to spend time with yeah. us. Um, the dogs are also in another, in a, in a separate ward um, behind a huge glass wall so we can keep an eye on them and everything. Um, but it also remains quiet in them because if they're spending time with us, they're there for a reason. They they had surgery or they've got some sort of an injury or they've got pancreatitis or something like that going on. And, and they don't need the, the added stimulus of the dog that's there for his toenail trim. You know, so we, we keep them behind the glass also in a, in a room that has soundproofing so it can be nice and quiet for them as well. Um, but yeah, I, I love giving tours of the place. Please come in. Well, I think that that just kind of speaks to our experience in general is, is, you know, the, the way that, that you've welcomed your clients in with open arms. And that doesn't surprise me to hear that you'd be welcome to do that. Do you take emergency calls? Do you have after hour services if somebody needs some help, you know, after the office is closed? 
We're, we're blessed in our area. We, we talked about it before. There's a lot of specialty clinics around town. We have a dermatologist. We have an ophthalmologist. And there's a, a dental specialist. There's those that see exotic pets and things like that. And, and we refer to those on, on in those cases. Um, but there's also fabulous emergency clinics in our area, um, which means that Dr. Carey doesn't necessarily have to get that 2 o'clock in the morning phone call mm-hmm. with, with something wrong. There is someone, uh, there's a couple of facilities in town. And if you call our phone number after hours, the emergency clinic phone number, is on there and those okay. folks there are fantastic at fielding phone calls they're so there 24 you send your pit your 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 after hours animals we have two different places where we send kind of based on where your location is um the Cobb emergency clinic over on 41 up near where whitewater is mm-hmm. um or georgia veterinary specialists over in sandy springs okay they do a fabulous job as well it's a little bit farther drive is that the one on north side there or just right near the north side exit um there's a hospital of some kind over there they are on abernathy road right near where oh, okay. abernathy hits roswell okay i got you um so they do a fabulous job too they have 24 7 emergency rooms um with board certified critical care specialists um, so they do a great job, especially for those hard-to-reach emergencies. That's great. We so try very hard to make sure that our clients have our email address, too. Mm-hmm. So if it, you have a question on a Sunday afternoon, you can always shoot me an email, and we can kind of troubleshoot from there. I always tell people, please don't ever shoot me an email if your dog's having trouble breathing or if you're having a seizure. <laughs> I check my email a couple of times a day. I don't want to check it and find out that four hours ago he was struggling to breathe. Um, those obviously need to go to the emergency clinic. But if there's a torn toenail or there's some other type of a problem that you have a question about, uh, I try to always be available via, via email to be able to answer those questions for you. Okay. Now, when it comes to the maintenance of my animal, just their annual requirements, the shots that we should give them and their treatment packages do you have is it a package kind of opportunity or you know does it kind of a la carte how does it how does it work with you know the my you know my standard package that a pet really needs if you're going to take good care of your pet just like you would your kid yeah it's a great question it's a question we get quite a bit we do not do a standard package i don't feel like there is a standard dog and i don't feel like there's a standard cat i like to get to know you and your pet and figure out what that lifestyle is If you have your German short hair and you're going hiking up Kennesaw Mountain every weekend and doing those types of things, your dog is going to need a different preventative care plan than somebody who has a Shizu that lives on the fourth story of a condo building downtown and goes to the groomer every three weeks but doesn't otherwise have any other access to other dogs, other animals, other outdoor things. Um, dogs that go to daycare and have other play groups have certain needs that dogs that don't socialize don't have. And so we try to look at each individual pet and customize a package directly for you and your pet. And that may be different. In your household, your pets may have different plans underway. I think trying to come fit everybody into a standard box doesn't work very well and isn't always in the best interest of that pet. Well, it's, you know, it's, I'm not really surprised to hear that it was kind of a planned thing that you would take that approach. It was on our end as a client of yours. Um, we certainly talked about the fact that there were a time or two where you said, you know, you might think about this or you might think about that. It's I wouldn't necessarily say you have to do it, but, you know, you you, you gave some options um, and didn't necessarily try to push that, that this needs to be done. Absolutely. We respected that you gave us choices and that you kind of took that tailored approach. And, you know, when when it comes to you know bringing my pet in for maybe maybe they're uh, either coming for an annual or they're coming for you know maybe they're not acting right when it comes to like things like blood screens and you know because it seems like everybody wants to draw blood on the pet 
do we have to do that? Is it necessary? Is it, uh, you know, tell me about that. You never have to do anything you're uncomfortable with, right? <laughs> We're a bunch of vampires. All we want is the blood, right? <laughs> I do feel, though, that the, the blood panel once a year is incredibly important. If we think about how our pets age, you know, the standard rule of thumb, one year for a person, seven years for a dog, we, we alter that a little based on breed. But they definitely age a lot faster than we do. That's why we lose them much faster than we would like to. Um, and having that blood panel each year helps us catch trends. I know when I go to my doctors, they don't even ask me. They pull yeah, blood once a year at my physical, yeah. physical, and they want to track and see how things are changing over time. Mm-hmm. For our pets, it's like us having ours checked every five to seven years to see how things are changing over time. And that is very important in terms of catching things before they are full-blown problems. Early detection gives us so many more options and ways that we can treat them and ways that we can approach management of the, the case versus waiting until they're really sick and then finding out that their kidneys are shot and they're at end stage now, so there's really not much more we can do. If we catch it early, there's lots of things we can do to keep that pet healthy and happy. And so that's why we request the permission to be able to do it once a year. We understand that not everybody wants to do that or can do that, but I feel like my job is to be able to explain why it's important. And if you understand why it's important, you're going to want to do it too, Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. because it is really in their best interest. Well, I have to say, you know, based on our overall experience here and the way you've approached our animals, I mean, we certainly feel comfortable when you make a recommendation, you know, that we feel like it's because you've are treating our pet, not because you're treating our, our bill. Um, you know, and, and I can't say that it's always been the case in the past. So, you know, that's good information for folks to consider as they bring their animal to you. And you talk about doing some lab work this year. We just did some last year. Um, you know, when it comes to having a pet, um, you know, you just picked them up. How important is it to get them chipped? I'm a huge fan of microchips and it it came about in the, in the not too distant past i mean a lot of folks they you know when we talk to them about microchips they're like oh you know fluffy never leaves my side fluffy's always with me not necessarily so uh dr carrie and i you were we're a husband and wife team so we left for for work and and you know we came back at the end of the day and um a, a kind individual had kicked in our back door and helped themselves to all the electronics in our house so yeah we we were robbed um they left the back door open our dogs and cats could have gotten away and never found their way home if they if they didn't have a microchip. That's right. And it, it's so easy to do. It's it's an it's an injection. Um, it's it's no different. I, I kind of equate it to when people get their ears pierced. You know, it's it's a simple injection. It's about the size of a grain of rice. It goes underneath the skin between the shoulder blades, and it is a permanent method of identification. That number is with your dog forever and ever. Amen. Animal control uses that. They always look for a chip, don't they, when they pick them up? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So they you might do, actually yeah. get somebody back if they go to the pound. Animal control, any veterinary hospital, some of even the rescue groups, I believe, have yep. scanners. And any time they do a new intake, they scan that animal to see if they have a pet, uh, see if they have a microchip on there. And and if they do, here comes the other part of the speech. The first thing they're going to do is they're going to check the database. If your contact information is not uh, up to date in the database, um, then the microchip wasn't worth a whole lot. So that's one of the things I'd really like to stress to folks that do have pets with microchips. Scan them and make sure Check that chip and make working. sure everything is up okay. to date. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, make sure it's still working. I mean, they, 
rarely ever, ever, ever stop working. Um, but if they do, the companies are really good about providing a, a replacement for that. Oh, that's great to know um, as well. But yeah, some of the companies, you can change your contact information on the fly. If you're going on vacation to go see your family in Florida, you can change your phone number to your... Oh, so your, you can reprogram your, it oh, in, in certain ways. That's you great. You can update the contact information okay. in, the, in the database. Oh, yes. Okay. Very good. I'm always amazed at how fast our time goes. Before we took you know jump off and give your contact information and web information i was curious about the your thoughts as veterinarians on table food for for the dog so in general i say no and that makes me the mean doctor right (laughs) um but once you start feeding table food it only takes one time and Kibbles those don't pets seem so cool exactly after that, and they know right. and you start sitting down for dinner and they're right there begging there are some table foods that are very safe to give some of your vegetables and your fruits and those types of things lean chicken right. lean proteins that are very safe and aren't going to hurt them but once you start giving it they will request it all the time mm-hmm. there are five really big things that i'm going to tell you never ever ever to give your dogs the five most toxic things for our dogs chocolate, raisins and grapes, onions and garlic. And I don't have a lot of people hand them an onion, but if you have (laughs) onions or garlic in your food and what you're eating for your dinner, um, we don't want to avoid that. And sugar-free gum. That's another one that I don't tend to have people hand their dog a stick of sugar-free gum. They find it on the floor. They find it on the floor in mom's purse in the child's book bag. Um, One piece of sugar-free gum can be fatal because of the artificial sweetener that they use. It is incredibly safe in people, but for whatever reason, dogs process the xylitol, the artificial sweetener, very differently um, and can be fatal in our dogs. So those are are the big six that you're definitely going to want to stay away from. Um, It used to be the big five and then xylitol came out. So all the sugar-free gum, it's now the big six um, but those are the things you're gonna make sure you avoid if you do feed the table food well great real quickly you know tell everybody your your websites if you've got social media Twitter Facebook um, tell folks where they can go to find you all of the above we, we are on Facebook I, I try to ma- maintain a pretty active page there um, we do have a little bit on Twitter but all of that can be found on the front page of our website which is myapexvet.com. okay and so then they can link to Facebook and Twitter. Exactly. We'll certainly do that from our website, too, so that our listeners can link up to you through us as well. Um, obviously, if you haven't done so already, link up with the uh, Top Docs radio show. We're on Facebook and Twitter, and that's Top Docs on BRX. Hopefully, you guys will like us there as well. And, uh, of course, we've got to plug Midtown the Midtown Business Radio. That one's Midtown BRX uh, as well. So I want to say thank you very much, Dr. Carey and Jamie, for uh, coming out today to tell us about uh, Apex, um, the, the hospital that we take our pets to. It's been a great experience. I certainly overwhelmingly unpaid tell you, take <laughs> your pets to uh, to Apex for care if you're out there in the Austell's, Mapleton, Smyrna area. It's absolutely the place you want to be to uh, get your animals taken care of. So thanks again for coming out today. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us.